Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we're back in your ear holes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mikey, how come we're back? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. So should I just end the episode? Yep. Or? It's a quick one. Just wanted to say hi. Hey, we missed you guys. Um, we're back. We I know we said we would come back if Lynch released a new thing. He hasn't. There was a brief 24-hour period in the last week where we thought he had, mm-hmm. um, which was immediately shut down, which is good. I'm glad they shut it down quickly. Yep. Um, for those who didn't hear that, somebody, two, two unidentified but reliable sources <laughs> confirmed to Variety that he was going to be surprise premiering a new film starring Laura Dern at Cannes, which is next month in May. Um, and then the very next day, Lynch was being interviewed by, uh, I think Jeff Jensen at EW about the new 4k remaster of Inland Empire. Mm -hmm. And then he said, normally this is the part of the interview where I say, what are you working on? What's coming up next? But with the news that just dropped, Mm -hmm. I think we all know. And and then immediately with like, in no uncertain terms, Lynch was like, nope, that's a rumor. I don't know how that happened. So that's not happening. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, and there's speculation that it's like a double bluff or whatever. It could like, be, yeah. But but you said there was some kind of Lynch something that he has nothing to do with. There, I, I, I don't know. I, there could be something that he's oh that he's unaware of. You're like, speculating. Yeah, I, that's like there could be something that like he isn't directing, but like I don't know, whatever it is. But right, don't know how that came to be. Um. And they also pulled out the new Buzz Lightyear movie out of can. So, whoa. Wait. That was supposed to premiere can. Why? <laughs> I have no idea because of all the six-year-olds who go to can who really want to see the new Buzz Lightyear movie. I have oh. no idea. But I think that one's for the best. That's confusing. But anyway, <laughs> the reason we are here is because uh, we're from Chicago and just recently, or the Chicago area just recently, um, uh, because of a man named Daniel Knox. Look him up. Um, he's a delightful man. His name is, he's at, at Daniel Knox music, I think is his Twitter handle, mm-hmm. Instagram. I think all of those things, but if not close enough, you can find him. Um, he put together, uh, the return of a full David Lynch retrospective. He did this a year ish ago, mm-hmm. um, played all the movies and then stepped it up again. So he used to be up until recently, a projectionist at the music box for like 20 years, mm-hmm. Um, was always a huge Lynch fan, got them to allow him to do this retrospective last year, and then it went over really well, so we just ratcheted it up this year. So he came back, did... So this is going to be an annual thing? I, I don't... I, I hope so, yeah. I, but I, I don't know if I could do it again. It was a lot. Yeah. It was incredible, but it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he plays... Through the week of April 7th through 14th, he played every Lynch feature film, um, several Lynch-adjacent movies and things. So it was uh, like Zellie and Me, which is a movie with David Lynch and starring Isabella Rossellini, directed by Tina Rathborn, who directed a few episodes of Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. Um, They played Boxing Helena, which was directed by his daughter Jennifer Lynch. Starring Sherilyn Fenn, and then they did a Sherilyn Fenn double feature where they also played a movie called um, "What's It?" Uh, 
Desire Desire and Hell at Sunset Motel, mm-hmm. which was insane and incredible. Mm-hmm. I you ha- you didn't see this, but you have to. Um, well, if we can find a copy somewhere, it's incredibly rare. Okay. Um, and they not only got it, but got a thirty-five millimeter print. I think the only one in existence. Huh. Um, and screened it, which it, it was on loan from. Um, like some film archiving location, but I think it's the only print in existence. So they played that, um, all of his films, and then all the Lynch shorts. Even in the in the bar lounge lobby area, they played every one of David Lynch's weather reports that he's been doing oh, every do day. That? Oh, cool! Um, they played episodes of part of season three of Twin Peaks. They just. All in between, there was like pre-shows for everything, so they had all sorts of, um, like interview clips with him, various things of that nature. It was just totally immersive. Everything was decked out in Twin Peaks and Inland Empire and all these different things all over the place. It was it was just absolutely wild. Um, obviously, I took the full time off of work so I could go. All, every day, all day. Mm-hmm. Um, Jess came to Fire Walk With Me night mm-hmm. um, and had plans to come to Inland Empire and then a bunch of shit happened. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah, so that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know where to begin. I don't even know exactly what to say. I guess we can maybe go day by day and kind of sure. recap things. Yeah. Um, or if you have any thoughts or questions, because you weren't there for a lot of it. Um. Um, well, I mean, let's start. Let's just go through day by day and, and see where that gets us. Day by day. So uh, Thursday was Blue Velvet and Blue Velvet Revisited. Right. And then there was a Q&A with Dwayne Dunham. You right. go through that? Yeah. And so there's a lot of, there's also a lot of stuff on each one of these that didn't get printed or listed or um, explained or whatever that are forewarned that they'd be playing and stuff so blue velvet in 35 millimeter Mm -hmm. which that's the other thing music box is an incredible theater like Mm -hmm. everything looks it's it's you know perfect old 35 millimeter screenings Mm -hmm. light through film which just has a look that's Mm -hmm. (sighs) digital can look great and it does sometimes but god i love a good film projection the sound in that place is incredible the seats get to be a little much and by the end of blue velvet somewhere in the middle of blue velvet revisited is when you realize these are not that comfortable anymore mm-hmm. some of the screenings didn't really fill up that much some of like the offshoots and stuff mm-hmm. but every single one of the lynch directed features was jam-packed shoulder to shoulder sold out and they're the old school movie seats so it just gets like I still have this like kink in my neck, and it's been a few days. Yeah. Like it's, I'm, it's just a, a very tight, difficult location. So Blue Velvet sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, I met up with our friend Phil. Mm-hmm. Was there for that one? He was on this show, I believe, for part eight. Mm-hmm. Um, good dude. Um, shout out to Brian, who is a listener of this show, who showed up for a lot of this week as well. Um, Blue Velvet included. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they both left, I believe, for for Blue Velvet Revisited, mm-hmm. which is essentially just a. 
it's a documentary mm-hmm. about Blue Velvet, but it's hard to. There weren't any like interview clips, really. It was just kind of a, a collection of like behind the scenes footage and oh. things like that, just kind of pieced together. Hmm. Um, what was I thinking? It's a little bit in the vein of like if you watch all the special feature extras on the Twin Peaks Z to A set, it's mm-hmm. just like clips of him directing and then, you know, hodgepodging people talking about what they're doing and stuff. Oh. Um, did you get any insights? Did you feel like you understood anything better or is it just... No, it wasn't that. I mean, it, you get insights in in the fact of like, it's just fun watching people direct. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think, were some like old like interview clips from like old TV shows and stuff. And it was, it was fun watching Lynch talk about... It's fun watching Lynch talk about this is his favorite project because mm-hmm. it's the one he's working on. Mm-hmm. But he was clearly very excited at this point because it was he kept comparing it to Eraserhead where in Eraserhead he had freedom it was his student film he could do whatever he wanted wasn't it at odds with studios and things like that and then he did obviously after Eraserhead he did The Elephant Man which was widely successful but very much a studio picture which is how he got Dune and then I think Dune just like broke him as an artist mm-hmm. like he the studio interference and stuff in that movie just broke him so the fact that he got funding and stuff from you know it was fairly low budget but got funding where he could and got total freedom mm-hmm. in blue velvet was just you could tell he was just very very excited to yeah. be like working in a way that he wanted to work mm-hmm. again which was very very cool mm-hmm. Um, so after that, there was a, so that was Blue Velvet, Blue Velvet Revisited, and then a, actually in between that, I think, it was after Blue Velvet, uh, before Blue Velvet Revisited was a Q&A, not really a Q&A because it wasn't audience Q&A, it was Scott Ryan oh. of um, the Blue Rose Mag, mm-hmm. um, everybody check out Blue Rose Magazine, it's incredible, Scott's doing great work over there, Um but he asked specific pointed questions and did instead of grabbing from the audience stuff, which was probably better because they didn't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was with Dwayne Dunham, mm-hmm. who edited Blue Velvet. He edited, I always hate saying edited. <laughs> it's edited. just a edited Wild at Heart. He edited the Twin Peaks premiere, directed the first episode of Twin Peaks, which I was curious about because I would have liked to have asked him about one of my all-time favorite shots in all of Twin Peaks is the very first shot of the first episode after the pilot, which is when he directed, which starts on Cooper's nightstand. You hear him doing the voiceover, mm-hmm. and it just pan, long pan across his room at the Great Northern, and then all of a sudden you see feet, and it booms down, and you see that he's upside down hanging from a, a pipe talking into the Diane recorder. Um, and I just think it it tells you everything about where you are, who you're with, mm-hmm. everything about Twin Peaks, and just one great shot S- catches you up on everything for anybody who missed the pilot. It was mm-hmm. just a very, very good way to like introduce here's the series now because really and truly the pilot was a um, was a movie. Yeah. Um, so he talked about a lot of great stuff. What was his? He had a really fascinating story that he told about um, when 
Wild at Heart went to Cannes. Mm-hmm. And they basically, they had a cut. They, they finished cutting it. The cut was four hours and 57 minutes or something like that. Um, so they obviously had to go back, cut that down, and they cut back and forth. They were going, they basically ended up just like rearranging everything. Instead of just like taking things out, they just condensed things and then just rearranged the order of everything. Uh-huh. Um, so they kind of had a new movie. It was a two-hour cut or whatever. Um, they went to premiere it and they had some audio dropouts or something like that. So they had to go back and get the master. And then essentially, Dwayne Dunham was flying to France with the master print of the film, while David Lynch was flying to France with the master of the audio. And they met together at Cannes. Uh And normally, I guess you get like 20 minutes with the projectionist to like frame everything, make sure everything sounds right, everything Uh looks right, everything's working properly, your film is the way it is. And they get 20 minutes to do that. They get there with this projectionist kid and they're like, so here's the thing. We've never seen this movie. <laughs> we're presenting tonight at seven. Because it was one of those, they were like in the middle of editing and David Lynch was like, do you think we can premiere this? And he's like, no, <laughs> that's like three months away. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, well, let's just do it anyway. And he's like, well, at least get the latest date you can. So they got like the last day of the, of, uh, of can. They get there, they show up, they're like, here's the deal. We've never seen this. We'll watch we'll watch the 20 minutes. If you're so inclined, if you're enjoying yourself, if you enjoy the film, can we finish it? <laughs> and sure enough, the guy did. He enjoyed himself, so they got to actually watch a full version. Everything went well. They presented later that night because this is 4 in the morning at this point, and they're presenting at 7 p.m., uh, they screened it and then won the Palme d'Or. So that was just an incredible story. But look up Dwayne Dunham. Wonderful. Edited. Return of the Jedi. Empire Strikes Back. Phenomenal body of work. Yet he's a name that people don't just know. But mm-hmm. already that's enough. Mm-hmm. And this is day one. Yeah. So that was Thursday of last week. Like already... You know, hold on to your butts because this is going to be a long week. All right. So that was Thursday. So Friday, um, you were down there all day, yes? Yes. Was that the day you picked up Mally? Or was that No, that was Saturday. So Friday, I got there. So 1.15 in the Mm -hmm. afternoon started short films of David Lynch. Mm -hmm. I got there a little bit late for that. Mm -hmm. I got there at like 1.30-ish or something. And then... That theater gets so dark. Yeah, it really does. And I was coming in from sunny outside. I walk into the theater. I step into the back and I had to stand in the back of the theater for at least 10 minutes just because I'm like, I can't yeah. see anything but the screen. Yeah. I, I'm i going to like try to sit down and sit on somebody's lap or something. I had no idea if it was a full theater, mm-hmm. if it was you know half full or whatever. Um, I don't know if and how many short films they played or anything I missed. Daddy's excited to have us back. She's walking she's around yelling. Just, yeah, walking around growling at everything. Um, and now she's throwing things that are clicky clacking all over the floor. That's fun. It's all great audio. But we, yeah, yeah, it's all great. We've got our uh, we've got our pursued by pursued by wine. Mm-hmm. Pursued by wine. Uh, yep. yep. Um, so I think 
now is the time that Kyle McLaughlin is finally going to sponsor us. Well, he has his back pay and sponsorship. Well, for sure, for sure. And, and what kind of a deal? We won't we yeah. won't charge him interest on it. But I, I think we should get what yeah. we what we earn. I think that's it. Only seems fair to me. Yeah, I mean more than fair, frankly. Yeah. All right. So short films. Yeah. So I don't. I, I saw, um, grandmother, uh, whatever. Seven men throwing up or whatever. Um, I don't. I don't know if like they snuck. Do you have lists? It doesn't list them. It doesn't. It just says the short films of David Lynch. So there was a few of those. Um, Maybe they played What Did Jack Do early on or something because that I didn't see there Uh, at any point. It really fucked me up that there is also a movie called I Don't Know Jack. Yep, that played later that night. Um, And I just assumed it was that one. I was like, wow, they're giving it two hours. It's like (laughs) 15 minutes. They must have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah. Okay, so short films, Elvis Yeah, well, they finished the short films out with Dumbland, which is a web series he did for DavidLynch.com in like the probably 2005, 6, 7, 8, somewhere in that whatever era. I don't know exactly when it came out. And it's just this animated series of short cartoons. And it's ridiculous. And he does every voice in it. Some <laughs> are better than others, but there's one in particular. Um, I think it's just called Ants, but it's. Watch the Ants episode. of If you watch that one episode, watch the Ants episode of Dumbland. It's ridiculous and, and very funny. Um, so that was at 1.15. 4 o'clock uh, was the Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Brian came back in for that. Shout out to Brian. Um, Are you going to shout him out every day that he showed up? Why not? Okay. <laughs> um, that was in 35 mil, which also looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie is incredible. I don't yeah I don't know what more to say about it it's just I think what so I'll do this at the end um I think now having watched all of these David Lynch movies in the way that they were meant to be seen back to back to back to back I can like sit down and I I sat down and wrote what I think is my David Lynch ranking so I'll go through that at the end, and you can let me know if you can if you can guess or predict the the ranking system I have. <laughs> the ranking system, or like, or the the ranking order oh, that okay. I have, like. All right. Uh, so Elvin Man, um, and then there was an intro by Richard Green to Mulholland Drive. Yes. So tell um, me about that. Another. This is Mulholland Drive, and also in thirty-five millimeter. Looked incredible. Um, but Richard Green is. Uh, so this was kind of a little bit of a Richard Green night. Um, Richard Green is the man who plays the magician at Club Silencio at the end of Mulholland Drive. Um, he's a producer, screenwriter, actor, voice actor, man of many hats. Um, he's currently working on um, I Know Catherine the Log Lady, which is a new documentary that we got to see a trailer for. Um, I was a backer of this and I still am, I guess a backer of this on Kickstarter. Um, I'm very excited to get all the updates, but we haven't actually seen anything yet. And we got to see a full trailer, um, for this, which I'm very, very excited about. It's, it's a documentary all about the life and importance of Catherine Coulson, who obviously played the log lady Mm -hmm. and is an incredible, wonderful human being. Um, so he introduced Mohan drive, talked about all that stuff. Um, he so he did kind of bookended Mahon Drive, taught, like introduced it, and then at the end of it, um, 
talked about I Know Catherine and introduced the next film, which is what he was a producer on, which is I Don't Know Jack, um, which was a documentary about Jack Nance, Mm -hmm. who is Pete Martell from Twin Peaks. He's in almost all of Lynch's work up until he died, if not everything. Mm -hmm. I don't recall him being in Elephant Man, but I think he's in everything else. Obviously, stars in Eraserhead. Um, and and the idea of that was they wanted to make a documentary about um, Jack Nance, who's a, a wonderful human being, flawed individual, um, had a major alcohol problem, um, and they brought in somebody, um, a complete outsider who had no idea who Jack Nance was to direct it hmm. because they... Everybody everybody knows and loves Jack Nance by his body of work, but everyone kind of sees him as this sweet teddy bear Pete Martell person. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to make sure if we're going to do a documentary about who he was, we have to talk about who he was and he was a flawed individual. Right. And so they brought in somebody who didn't know Jack, which is where they get that title. Huh. I don't know Jack. Interesting. Because not only is it a clever, you know, play on you know the phrase i don't know jack but like literally this guy had no idea who jack nance was so Mm -hmm. they put out a whole documentary about him and his life and it's good it was i actually saw it once before on my laptop or whatever because um as part of the kickstarter for i know Catherine, he sent a mp4 version of it um as like a you know one of the rewards you get or whatever um so that was that. And so Friday would have been a long day. I did not stick around for the midnight showing of Eraserhead. Yeah. Because um, Eraserhead played again a few days later. Yeah. And with that one, Charlotte Stewart was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. So, so that we did, up. yeah, Blue Velvet, short films of David Lynch, Elephant Man, Mulholland Drive. And Phil came back for Mulholland Drive, too. So that was fun. Mm, good. Um, and Jen. Jen? Was there too? Is that Mohan? Or did Jen? No, Jen was there for Wilder. So that was Phil and Brian for um, Mohan Drive. Okay. Which I love Mohan Drive. That movie's very, very, very good. Was it your first time seeing it on screen? Uh, first time seeing it in film. Mm-hmm. I I believe I assume I saw it when it first came out in the theater. But I assume that was a digital projection. Mm-hmm. That's what most theaters are, especially... Um, Even when Mulholland Drive came out? Yeah. It might have been film at that point, but I'd be surprised. I think at that point, almost everything was already shifted over to a digital projection, especially those megaplexes, mm-hmm. which is where I would have seen it. Sure. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I, I saw it. I've seen it in the theater, but not since its original release and five six um i'm gonna drink more wine while you do that pursued by bear wine Mm -hmm. 2018 cabernet sauvignon m u l h 2001 Mm. Mm. okay yeah inland empire is like 2005 that makes sense wow yeah jesus really yep okay so saturday so yeah so i skipped a razor head and then saturday um, I talked, 
my friend, our friend Mally into coming out here. She lives in um, South Carolina and decided last minute to come out and come to the rest of this thing. We met her at the 2018 uh, Twin Peaks Fest. She went back again in 2019 and then the fest ended. Holy crap, the moon looks awesome. Do you see that? Do you guys see that out there on, on the <laughs> airwaves? It looks incredible. It's like bright orange and huge. Awesome. Anyway, um, so we met her at 2018 Fest. We talked a lot about our costuming and how we got robbed. Uh, she <laughs> took third place in the trivia contest the at 2018, the year we went. 2019, she had an incredible Del Mibler costume, which is the old man in the finale episode of uh season. of season two the what was the finale up until obviously the new season came out um who just walks across the bank floor very 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 slowly um and it was an incredible costume i've seen i've only seen pictures but the pictures are great um so she showed up i picked her up from the airport saturday morning we skipped the first showing on Saturday, which was an 11.38 or 11.30 a.m. showing of The Straight Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that played again later. Um, and showed up at 2 o'clock for Wild at Heart mm-hmm. with Brian and Phil, Phil's girlfriend Jen and Mally. And Wild at Heart was in 35 millimeter, and it was amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else to say about that? It, it was just, this was the first time we didn't get the good row of seats. Ah. There's, so if you go to the music box, there's like a front section, a little cross aisle way and a back section. Um, and if you can get that front row of the back section, you get the long leg room. It's like, it's like the emergency exit row yeah. of the, uh, of the airplane when yeah. you get those where you get a little bit, a little more at leg room. Less responsibility. Yeah. Probably if the theater crashes though. For sure. For sure. Um, you know, the oxygen masks fall sure. all the way from like the 60 oh foot God. ceilings or whatever. Some of them are yeah. Bound to get stuck. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, so this was the first time we didn't get that, but I was running a little bit late cause I think we left to get food or something. I don't remember why we would have been running late. That's weird because we saw... Oh, wait. No, it's just from the airport, I guess. Because that was the first movie of the day. God, it's all running together. Um, but yeah, that was that was great. Mm-hmm. And we got... It was nice knowing people because they can save seats, which they did. Yeah, and so we got a decent seat. Very helpful. Um, followed up Wild at Heart with Boxing Helena. Mm-hmm. Um which the director's cut looks like yes it was a director's cut in 35 millimeter and it was on loan directly from jennifer lynch um this is her personal copy wow um and from what i understand director's cut director's cut quote unquote is not like a thing like it was you can't get like the direct there's no like release with the director's cut and the theatrical cut or something Uh it was just kind of like this is the cut of the film as she wanted it to be. Oh, sure. So and they she kept that. made them cut it down yeah. a little bit. And then that's what was released. So I don't think this is... Available anywhere? I, yeah. I, it may may not have ever been screened to the public. Not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I have a copy of this movie on DVD. I think that's the only release it's ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there were a few minor sequences that I noticed that were different or slightly extended. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I don't know what makes it very different. Okay. It, it seemed like basically the same film. But it was it this was an interesting experience in the theater because this is a movie that was like it's very nineties. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild, but in a Bill Paxton is in it and he's insane. Obviously. Um Fenn is in it and she's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Julian Sands is in it and he's crazy. I don't know who that is. Um it it's just such a bizarre movie and some of it I find like it's a little bit some of the sensibilities match a lot of her father's work Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is crazy and weird and wild and a lot of it is excellent Mm -hmm. and I like there's a lot of moments that like you could watch it and be like, ooh, this is really dramatic. and then, mm-hmm. Or you can just laugh at it because it's insane. Yeah. And you don't, like, it's, it reminds me, a lot of it reminds me of that opening, or that, not opening scene, but that scene of In Twin Peaks where uh, Sarah Palmer is freaking out about when she finds out, Laura, like, when Laura's died. And she's just, like, screaming and crying. Uh-huh. And it's so over the top that uh-huh. you're like, some people are laughing and some people are like sobbing and some oh. you don't know what to do with it because so much of it is some of it is so heightened. Yeah, it's and a lot of this movie is like that, but I recommend seeing it if you get the opportunity. Um, All right. So Desire and Hell at Sunset Motel. Yes. Taking a swig of wine for this. This movie is insane. Yeah. If you can find it, do yourself a favor. I looked it up. It does not look like it's anywhere. Yeah. Like, I I honestly think they are, like, doing their best to scrub it from existence. Really? Like, it's... I don't know. Like, the thing I can most compare it to, I think, as far as, like, the sensibilities is it reminds me of Streets of Fire, which we watched a while ago, which is, again, an insane... Like, this movie... There's a full on like, like there's a copy on YouTube. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Um, but like the movie is very competently made. Mm-hmm. Like it's lit really well. It's got a very cool look and feel to it. The script is bonkers. Like there's a full on sequence of and if you if it's on YouTube and we can pull it and we can play you a clip of this, let's try to do that here. Sure. But there's there there's like a it's like a pseudo PI guy. He's an amateur, but he's like hired to be this PI, and he's tailing Sherilyn Fenn on this thing, and they're having a conversation with the guy who hired him. They're going back, for, and there's a guy like in this diner, flipping around a hula hoop. Sure. And it bugs him, and then the guy grabs the hula hoop, hula hoops around him, and then full on like beat poems at him. Oh no. And. It's bananas, but it's just like I honestly think you would you would very much enjoy this movie. We'll have to watch it sometime. Okay. Um, but if we can play some of the clip of him like beat poem battling this guy, it's not a battle because the guy doesn't come back at him at anything. Sure. He just like rapping at someone. It's so good. It's so good. You're so damn happy in your safe little circle. You know where you'll be 30 years from now? Exercising. Bargain hunting. 3D TV in your backpack 
jet. You'll have a boss on your neck, kids at your feet, head deep in debt, can't get to sleep. Because you'll be thinking back to now, going, I remember then, but you don't. You missed it, and you'll miss it again. So when you're lying there crying out, where is enlightenment? Just remember how. I told you now, it's in the sound of one hand. Quats. Dig. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then Industrial Symphony Number One. Did y'all stay for that? Uh, we did not. We. Th- I want. I want to see that at some point. But at that point. I was with was yeah. I was with Mally, and she had just flown in, so she was up at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. We had already sat through three full movies, mm-hmm. which those seats get, and it just got to be too much. So I don't know what went on beyond that. I do want to see that at some point. It's essentially like music video, like a thing he did with like Julie Cruz. It's like a like a musical musical type performance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, looks very cool. Um, but I have not, we didn't watch that. We, had, we didn't stick around for it. Cause if that was playing at like 1030, oh, yeah. pretty much every night went to like 1am if you wanted to. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a lot. Um, all right. So next day, 1130 elephant man. Um, uh, we skipped, skipped that? we skipped that one because we saw it on Friday. Okay. And then, um, David Lynch, the art life, art which life, we've yeah. talked about on this show. Yeah. Um, we missed that too. Oh, okay. Um, so Zellian. That was, I think, we just were sleeping on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We got in late and just were tired. I think we just skipped it. Um, and it wasn't like a special printing. That was just, I think they were literally just playing it off the Criterion. Oh, funny. Um, so you weren't getting anything unique or special. Mm-hmm. But so Zellian me. So Zellian me at four thirty. Um. It's interesting to me when you... So this this movie was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't it's, know anything about it. Can you... It's a movie about a... an Excuse me. An orphaned little girl who goes to live with her grandmother. Um, and Isabella Rossellini is, is the housekeeper or whatever. And it's about her... Cause, and her grandmother, the little girl's grandmother, is very, very harsh. And it's like she keeps comparing it to like breaking horses. Like oh. you have to break this girl down and get her to be proper and obey the rules and all the stuff. And this was in like, like late fifties, Virginia, I think something like that. Um, and then it's about her relationship with, uh, Isabella Rossellini and there's some great stuff in it. And it's one of those movies where like you watch it and you can get halfway through and be like, this is so obviously directed by a woman because it's terrible no I'm just kidding um no it's uh, uh, no it was it was very very good like the the way she handled these this little this girl and this woman's relationship is just coming from a place that a man just could not ever possibly get to um but it's good. It's it was an interesting movie. I had never I'd never even heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either. There's movies that David Lynch is in that I've seen and and that I know about. This is one that I've never even heard of. Um, but it was a again they got a 35 millimeter print of it, huh. which I think is fantastic that they were able to do that for all of these movies. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> this says ends with an unpredictable plot twist. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, it's not like... It's just a weird thing to add Yeah, to they're dead the whole time, but like... Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's got a, uh, a small role from Joe Morton in it, who I really, really like. Um, character actor, he's in like Terminator 2, he's he's in Speed. Uh, black guy with the mustache, he's, he's cool. He's in a lot of, a lot of, does a lot of great work. Um, but it was interesting. I, I was, I was surprised there and, and, and I didn't know what to expect. David Lynch isn't in it that much, mm-hmm. um, but he's got a strong character. Um, I'd very much recommend it, but there's a lot of these too that like, I don't know if I was just, if it's, if I had watched this at home, would I have liked it as much or was sure. I just like a little bit like, and it's, it's Taken just, with the, yeah. And it's, but also like, that's part of like the power of cinema or whatever. Like you just get wrapped when you're in it. This is the first time. So that for all of this, especially going into like day one, first movie, blue velvet packed house. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've been to a movie theater in two plus years. That was Full. Mm. I've been to a lot of movies since. For Zelly and Me, it was full. No, the, oh. well, Zelly and Me was fairly full. It wasn't sold out, but like day one, Blue Velvet. Oh, oh, I yeah, see what you mean. Okay. was was jam packed, and people were laughing and gasping, and all of those theatrical things that like make a movie in the theaters an experience. And I haven't had that in a while. I've seen quite a few movies since pandemic started in the theater. I've seen, I think, six or seven of those literally by myself in a theater because I go on a Sunday morning or afternoon and nobody's there yet. Um, I've seen a lot of movies with like two, four people in it. This is the first time I've seen movies that were full and everybody wanted to be there Mm -hmm. and wanted to see this Mm -hmm. and enjoyed themselves. And it was a just exhilarating cool. um but yeah so that was so we did that so we did zelly and me um and then straight story right. mm-hmm. which god every time i see that it gets better and better yeah, that was a good one. i i adore that movie mm-hmm. um the, uh, with mally she had a brief conversation about it because she posted something about seeing it seeing straight story in the theater and john neff commented on it who is the guy who did the sound oh, for it wow um and it was like oh man that's so cool i'm i'm so excited you get to see this he's like it's the first movie i ever mixed in 5.1 um and i'm just so excited you get to see it in a theater in a proper theater the way it's supposed to be done and i'm so glad that he's proud proud of this because i think the sound like sound design is incredibly important all of lynch's work Mm -hmm. it's very good in this Mm -hmm. it's because this movie is so subdued and you don't have those like like industrial Mm -hmm. noises that are droning and kind of you know muddle everything in a lot of lynch's work this one is like you know exactly what to bring up in the dialogue and then like the roar of the tractor engine and like the music with this the the like um violin string that kind of just rides throughout the whole movie it's a very, very, very good sound design. So it was very cool that John Neff posted on it. That's cool. Yeah. And then you did not watch Dune. We did not watch Dune. Um, did you see, get to Duran Duran. 
Yeah, we tried to get, yeah. So Dune closed out Sunday night and I just, it was in 35 mil, but I just, I just don't care. I just don't like Dune. I just, there's things in it that are very Lynch and very cool. I did not feel like sitting for a 137 minute movie Mm -hmm. at nine, yeah, 915 at night. Yeah. After a full day of of movie. Yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, all right. And then Tuesday. Oh, wait, hold on. So Monday. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Monday. Uh, Monday, Duran Duran Unstaged, which is basically just a Duran Duran concert video that David Lynch directed, because why not? Um, missed it. We overslept. Um, uh, it was at 4 p.m., so. No, what, then what do we do Monday? So because Mally was in town and had never been to Chicago. Oh, yeah, that's when you guys, like, yeah, before the before a lot of these, we did. Museum. Did we do anything Sunday? I guess that's why we missed Art Life on Sunday was because we did. We went down to like the um, the, the aquarium lookout. Um, we didn't go to Earth Planetarium and stuff. We didn't actually go into those places, but like that lookout where you yeah. get that view of the city, um, and and then went to Gino's East to get some pizza. Um, which was which was very cool. I used to work there like ten years ago, and there was still at least one person that I ran into still working there. So that was very cool. Um, so we did that all beforehand. Then Monday we did we went to my office in the Wrigley Building downtown. Um, went to like the 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 Art Institute. Was that Monday? Yeah, I thought so. I think that might have been Tuesday. No, because I was with you Tuesday. Oh right, okay, yeah. So then we yeah we did the Art Institute. Um and then like the bean and yeah Melly had never been to Chicago yeah, so they did exactly. the touristy stops. Yeah. Um, that was yeah, but that was a lot of fun. So we missed the Duran Duran thing for that. I do want to catch that at some point. Sure. Um, and then seven p.m. Uh, in the evening we did Eraserhead in full thirty-five millimeter mm-hmm. on the big screen with that sound design of everything's always crackling and like mm-hmm. throughout just the entire movie it's just you get lost in it sure um and then after Eraserhead was Charlotte Stewart mm-hmm. who plays Mary X from Eraserhead she plays Betty Briggs in Twin Peaks mm-hmm. she her biggest role was in Little House on the Prairie but she did a lot of like TV work and stuff most of her career she did a Q&A. She was talking about some, some, telling some great stories and then slowly started getting like more and more candid and started talking about things like her words, friends with benefits with Jim Morrison of all fucking people. Cause she used to work at a shop and he, it was across the street from some venue that uh-huh. like he was trying to get away. So he was like in the shop, let's looking out the window and stuff. And he's like, do you mind if I stay here? And she's like, uh, yeah, yeah like- fuck. Yeah. So they like, hit it off and we're like friends and then they would like just call each other and like hook up all the time um and then she talked about she did a film a lesser known film i don't even i looked it up i I saw the title and i don't remember what it was with elvis presley um where she played like a like diner waitress on skates or whatever and in between scenes she started talking to elvis and like hanging out with him and he started talking telling stories or talking like basically confiding in her about how like 
how hard him being in the military was on his parents and all this stuff. And he's like holding her hand and she's like, he's uh, like unloading all this really deep stuff on me. And all I'm thinking is, oh my God, Elvis is holding my hand. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, if you, there's, there's, I believe uh, an interview with like a little mini interview with stories and things like that, where they talk a little bit about the Jim Morrison stuff uh, as part of the extra extras on the, Eraserhead Criterion release. Looked that up. She talked a little bit about that stuff. But she is a wonderful, wonderful human being. Yeah, she's she's in her mid-80s at this point and just was zipping around everywhere. Yeah. She is incredibly spry and youthful and is just an absolute delight. Yeah, she's a doll. She's very, very, very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I can... another And another funny story... Um, so at one point, Mally bumped into her in the bathroom, said hi and whatever, which is funny because at 2018 Fest, at Twin Peaks Fest, that's how she met Cher- uh, Charlotte Stewart before was she bumped into her before the fest in the bathroom. So there's a weird uh, bathroom stalking scenario between sure. Mally and Charlotte Stewart. I'm trying to find whatever uh, this Elvis movie is, and she has been in some Cook Bananas Crazy Pants movies, yeah. including the one I have, 1982's Human Highway, starring, uh, written by, ready for it, Neil Young. Oh, oh yeah. Shit, that was part of her... Um, Neil Young, Russ Hamlin, Dean Stockwell, ooh. Dennis Hopper, Charlotte Stewart, Sally Kirkland. Huh. Um, yeah, that was part of... They, she talked a lot about Neil Young, too. That was part of her, like, Jim Morrison day. She was just, like, in with those people. Yeah, for her. Yeah, she just like lived her life. She she made a joke at one point about how her next is next book is going to be like all my boyfriends are dead, <laughs> like all the stuff. I mean, like, yeah, you like get to the <laughs> yeah, and and so that I and I don't know how much of that was a joke and how much of it is like, you know, she's just writing. She also, if you look her up, I don't know if she has like a specific website or something to find her at. Um, but if you look up Charlotte Stewart, she sells bags. Like she makes like hand sewn and stitched like canvas bags that are very, very cool. And each one is one of a kind and they're incredible. Um, So look up Charlotte Stewart and and buy her bags Um, because these people obviously need plugs that they're, they're going to get from this podcast. that's just so (laughs) all over the place. I mean, we're, we're pulling at Joe Rogan numbers for sure. Oh yeah. It's the Cooper Duper bump. That's what we call it. Charlotte Stewart (laughs) and Elvis Presley. Two people in the same title. Elvis. You could probably go through Elvis's credentials and Speedway it's called. Yeah, that sounds right. I was going to say it was something car related. Speedway. Elvis Presley, Nancy Sinatra. Um, this would have been, what, 1968. So this is real prime yeah. time. Yeah. And so, shit. which is also why she was like young and like, sure. like take it, like taken aback by the fact that this is Elvis. And, yeah. you know, meanwhile, yeah. she's going to go on to start screwing around with Jim Morrison. So, yeah. who is famously better looking than Elvis? I feel like Elvis would have, like, that's your peak. Yeah, but like Elvis in his prime. Elvis in I a hundred percent. I like based on pure looks. It's but like as far as like status and and whatever. Like I'm not I'm not knocking Elvis Presley. Like if I had the op when I if I had the option if I if I were to hook up with Elvis in his prime or Jim Morrison in his prime, I would go Jim Morrison. What? 
Elvis is just like a pretty boy. I don't like his look. But you look. don't like the smell of weed, and that's all that Jim Morrison <laughs> will smell like. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so yeah. So uh, that yeah, was, was a doll. Eraserhead. Um, and then Lost Highway. Yeah. And then we did Lost Highway. Also, in, in that, so that was a late night. That was 9.30, Lost Highway started, and that's a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it says 35 millimeter, but that was the crispest 35. Like, there didn't appear to be any film grain whatsoever, mm-hmm. which was baffling, which leads me to believe it, that it might not have actually been 35. Yeah. I'm I wonder if that was just a 4K mm-hmm. presentation or if it was if it was filmed because it didn't it didn't have that film look to me. I that might just be me or if it was a film it was a very 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 well preserved film that like never saw dust. Hmm. Um but it was incredible. Lost Highway. That day was kind of a gut punch of a day. Like back like, it was only two movies, but mm-hmm. Eraserhead followed by Lost Highway is dark. Yeah, it's heavy. That's a heavy day. Like, I, li- I like Lost Highway a lot, but that movie doesn't have any, like... Breaks? Yeah, like, just silly moments. Mm-hmm. Like, every one of these movies has, like, a scene that's even, like... Blue Velvet has the Dean Stockwell singing Candy Colored Clown with mm-hmm. the... the, the uh, light bulb is the microphone and like you know Mulholland Drive has like the scene of the the assassin guy accidentally shoots that lady in the ass through the wall mm-hmm. and like oh come on man like just those like silly scenes Lost Highway doesn't like the only kind of like standout scene from that movie that's separates it a little bit is the I'm in yeah. your house phone call scene and that is fucking terrifying. Yeah, like so that's weird. not funny. That's yeah. there's there's no the closest thing to comedy is the fact that they cast Richard Pryor in the movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything particularly funny. I mean, he's got a couple of kind of silly-ish lines, but like that's the closest thing to humor in that movie. That sure. movie's just dark for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was a long a long night. And then um, the next day was Tuesday, and that's the day I joined y'all. Yeah. Um, so we started, uh, there was a 4.30 free showing of a documentary that is basically, um, David Lynch went on a lecture series um, through- All over the globe. Yeah, yeah. dozens of different countries. Um, it's called Meditation, Creativity, Peace. And talks about transcendental meditation and um, how much it's changed his life and how he believes it can truly change the world. And um, it was, it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. I don't. And what were you expecting it to be? I thought I didn't think it would be like a guided meditation. Meditation. I didn't think it would be a guided meditation, but But I just thought like a how-to. More of like how you get into it and like how he got into it and like what the steps are because he does like time and time again he's like the first day you do transcendental meditation you will transcend and you will see the other side of the curtain or however he describes Mm -hmm. it and it's like oh i thought he was gonna give us like yeah they really don't give you any how no not at all. it's all about just what happens when you do it yeah 
and not how you get there. And the only, besides David Lynch, the only thing I know about Transcendental Meditation is like, they mentioned it a ton in the 60s. Like it was a really yeah. trendy thing in the 60s. We talked about it in like a couple episodes of The Monkeys. Like yeah. it's, that was like a hippie thing. Um, and it was relatively new. I think that yeah. the thing came out in like the mid, late 50s. Yeah, I think that's what he said. So, um, and so I was like, oh, cool. I can like finally parse because I've heard Transcendental Meditation sure. a million times, but I still am no closer to understanding like- What it, yeah. Yeah, like I get the- The concept. Abstract of yeah. what he's saying because he draws that out really beautifully. Um, but no, I, I, um, I will tell you my favorite part of that was when he talked about, somebody asked him about how he, uh, how he gets his ideas and more importantly, like how he decides Mm -hmm. what is going to be his next movie. If he's like always getting these ideas, like how do you know something Mm -hmm. is like really worth grabbing onto? And he is kind of a shitty metaphor about like hot ladies on the street or whatever. But like he, (laughs) it was a good point of like. You do have, as a creative person, you have ideas all the time. And once in a while, something kind of snags in you and you can't let it go. He he uses the metaphor about catching the big fish a lot too. Catching the big fish and how um, using, like you you start with a really small fish. And then, so that's like the grain of your idea. And you use that small fish to catch a bigger fish. And that's just basically Mm -hmm. building up this idea until it's, this three-dimensional world or a movie or a screenplay or whatever he wants it to be. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really, uh, I really liked hearing that he, he had another kind of, I wish I remembered what the question was, but he said something about like so much of directing is instincts Yeah, and you obviously need the technical know-how you need to do all the things, but you just need to be able to look at something and say, this isn't quite right. And know how to get it to where you and, want it to be. And take the time to allow for accidents and, mm-hmm. and, and use them and all that stuff. Yeah. I liked the thing that kind of stood out to me about it that I enjoyed was, so especially through through the week, in, be- in between movies and things like that, they had all sorts of like, uh, you know, clips of him on Letterman or clips mm-hmm. of him being interviewed by yeah. Jay Leno or or some like local news station about whatever and him talking about, you know, Blue Velvet is coming out. And like one of them was like, like the lady's just straight up like, are you a crazy person? What is wrong with you? Why do you create characters like this? All this. But there's all sorts of things. And whenever he's talking about his movies, he has a thing that we kept joking about that we were picking up on is that he'll have a sentence that he's starting to say. And then he'll interrupt his sentence with an um or a you know or something like that and complete the sentence where he puts in the um or the you know as though he's thinking of like the best right word and way or turn of phrase to complete a sentence and ends up with like, well, you know, it's it's sort of the best, you know, around or it's we're doing this because it's the best, you know, thing. And just ends with the most boring word. And we joke about it because every time we did it, me and Mally would look at each other like, did it again because yeah. he is looking for the words and then realizes, I don't have it. I'm just going to use the boring word. Mm-hmm. And then when he's talking about TM, there's not a single um, but, you know, there's likes. None of that is in there. He knows what he's saying and he's mm-hmm. very clear, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And it... I don't know how I feel about TM. 
Like I've always thought, oh, whatever, it's a little bit wooey in this way that I don't care about. But like it seems to work for people, so good for them. Meditation is what it is. But the fact that like he's so clear about the way he says it feels culty. Oh, totally culty. You know, like you're oh strong culty. Yeah, you're you're so used to repeating these phrases and things that you don't have to think about them anymore. Yeah, and he's a guy who always struggles to find words. Mm-hmm. So when he speaks so elegantly and clearly about these things, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it, though. Like, it's because he's not coming up with new ideas on the spot or describing a new concept. He's repeating things that he has said a million different times. But he's also not always doing that. I'm not saying, like, he's doing it by rote, but it's... It, it's he's not adding anything new to it. It's yeah. he knows the points yeah. he has to hit, and that makes things a lot easier sure. than if you're really just going trying. And to he like hates just, trying to explain his own movies. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. for sure. Um, and then um, this was this sort of big Twin Peaks night. Yep. Yeah. So there was only one movie that night, mm-hmm. besides the um, yeah the doc. Uh, so at seven thirty, which was barely over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 7.30, there was Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, and then they started with a bunch of... Was it before they did all the commercials, or was that afterward? I, probably, because they, because uh, all the Georgia coffee commercials and stuff were oh. were Twin Peaks related, so those were definitely before Twin Peaks. Okay. I just um, didn't know if it was before or after. Um, I think so. Like, yeah, that's the thing. A lot of these things, especially those short ones, just Mm -hmm. they were in there somewhere. I saw them on the screen at some point. I don't remember where. Yeah. So basically starting at seven is when they kind of started Twin Peaks stuff Mm -hmm. until. So we did like an hour long intro of people talking and commercials and things like that. Then we. Scott Ryan introduced it talked mm-hmm. about his book he's got a new book out yes. um called fire walk with me your laura disappeared yeah um which i really enjoyed hearing him uh him talk about it because he did the thing i think a lot of us have done who like weird movies where you go to see a movie with a bunch of people uh-huh. and you're like fuck yeah this movie is awesome and everyone else is like what the fuck was that and oh yeah like, his first oh, no. yeah so he saw it the day it came out mm-hmm. and that yeah that was his experience as he went with a bunch of people and he walked out like, oh, my God, yeah. this movie just blew my mind. And everyone else was like, what? Yeah. That's stupid. Where's 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 Andy? And where's Lucy? Right. And where's Pete? Funny. And, yeah. where's, and they're not yeah. Dale. Um, so, um, so, yeah, it was very cool to see. Uh, it, I really enjoyed hearing him talk about um, uh, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Lee's performance and how she – I'm looking forward to uh, reading her interview in his book because um, mm-hmm. he – he talks to her about how much of herself she gave to Firewalk with me as a, and my understanding was she was a young actress. Mm-hmm. Well, she, this was her first major Feature, yeah. acting thing and did not have the education or skills or whatever to compartmentalize and mm-hmm. be able to like get in the character and get out of character and like leave it at the office, so to speak. Um, and but so she, how he put it, he said, I, I, I think she gave a piece of herself mm-hmm. for this movie and was never quite the same actor. And, and yeah, and he talked about like it, she she had mentioned that from her um, point of view, she said she felt lucky that they shot it all together. Mm. And she's like, since in hindsight, I've realized that people come shoot shoot a week and then have a week off and then they shoot two weeks and then they have. A, she did everything, mm-hmm. and so she, while she was on set, she was Laura, mm-hmm. and not in like a shitty methody way, yeah, but like 
she just didn't need to compartmentalize because she didn't have to go back to any other normal life. She was able to do that. And that um, another thing that he kind of briefly touched on, but something that uh, we've known and Mally's met her a couple of times at cons and things like that, that like she doesn't like to talk about Laura and Firewalk With Me in particular Mm -hmm. to most people. Mm-hmm. But and they talk about this a lot in Laura's Ghost, which is another book um, that Scott Ryan put out with his publishing group. It's called Laura's Ghost. It's great. Um, there are a lot of people who not just like, oh, you were great in this. I want to talk, but like young women who come up to her and say, Laura saved my life. Mm-hmm. Like these stories about like I, you know abuse and incest and Mm -hmm. things that they've dealt with and her strength and whatever is what helped pull me out of this thing. And she makes time for those people. Like you'll see, like she'll be in an autograph line at something and the line will stop and wait because Mm -hmm. I'm talking to this person right now because Mm -hmm. this is important for her Mm -hmm. and it's important to me that Mm -hmm. she, that I hear her out. And so she gives those people the time and focus and dedication they need because a part of Cheryl Lee is Laura Palmer mm-hmm. really. And it's, it's wonderful to see, but if you just want to chit chat with her about fire, what was it like on set? She doesn't want to do that. She won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do interviews about it usually, mm-hmm. but she will talk to those people who like have a very, very personal and real connection, which is wonderful to hear that she gives those people yeah. real, real time. Yeah. Um, so if I walk with me, they did missing pieces and then episode eight. They got, yeah, yeah, that was so good. Yeah, it's very good. They also, they brought in like pie, cherry, yeah, pie from, from Bang Bang Pie. They had an owl. They brought in a fucking owl. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, so there's just a dude in the back (laughs) hanging, hanging out with an owl on his arm. Great horned owls. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they did. Firewalk with me, mm-hmm. missing pieces, which was a quote unquote surprise, but not really a surprise to anyone. Of course, they're going to fucking play the missing pieces, especially when they don't have anything scheduled after the movie. Yeah. And then he just kept saying, and then there'll be a surprise after that. But most of us kind of knew it's going to be part eight because. Did you know that before he said it's going to be explosive? That honestly, my guess is where it's going to be the part eight or the pilot and mm. the pilot they played later. Oh, did they? They played that after Firewalk with me the last day on Thursday. Um, So I'm glad I went to that day because I'd rather see. I adore the pilot. I've seen it a million, but I really wanted to see part eight on the big screen. And it was incredible. Yeah, it was very That was like, uh, it was very, very cool to see. (laughs) It was funny too because I remember when he said, so we're going to do that. Follow this up. We're going to do the missing pieces. And then after that, we got a big surprise for you. All I'm going to say, it's going to be explosive. Uh, whatever, and I heard the two people behind us talk. Did you hear them? Yeah, yeah. Or they were like, "I, it's got to be the season two finale because that's the only explosion in Twin Peaks is when the bank blows up in Austin." They're like, "Yeah, that's a good point." And I, and I, and like, I don't want to be like that guy who's like, ah, push my glasses up in the middle. No, actually, because there's the nuclear bomb in part eight, and see, I don't want to be that. But like, meanwhile, I was like, just doing that to myself. <laughs> like, sure. Like, obviously, Being it's smug. You mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. But I. Was kind enough to be smug to myself. Sure, sure, sure. And now to our audience. And now to our audience. But, um, but yeah. So, part eight. 
was a great. Did, I feel like they did something else after that too. No, or they were. It doesn't matter if they did because we were gone. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we definitely left after part eight. I don't know if they played anything. Else. Maybe that was pretty late. It was because missing pieces is like a good hour and a half. Yeah, it was one a.m. I think when we got home. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was Tuesday. Unfortunately, that was the only day I ended up being able to make it. Um, Wednesday, uh, y'all went to the Frank Lloyd Wright situation. Oh yeah, we went to the. Um yeah, we went to Frank Lloyd Wright's home and studio, which is out here in Oak Park. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a little. Did you know that he kind of had a low key cult going for a little while there? Oh, I believe it. Yeah, he was a lunatic. Oh, I mean, look at his work. Yeah, I mean, it starts out as just like he's doing these cool little ranch style mm-hmm. houses and shit, and then all sorts of wild shit after yeah. that. So that's not surprising at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it is funny. They, they, the guy, one of the most interesting things I think about whatever, cause there's a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright in Oak park mm-hmm. and then a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright inspired yeah. and the going rate for everything is how much do you, if you had two houses that were virtually the same mm-hmm. size specs and all that kind of stuff, what the different, like, what the ratio is of Frank Lloyd Wright and Frank Lloyd Wright um, inspired, like price. Like how much more is a real Frank Lloyd Wright right. versus, oh, I would say 10 times more. Okay. It was, it's, it's basically going at five to one. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, so, like, yeah. to say you live in a Frank Lloyd Wright house. And oh, surprisingly yeah. not that much. They were showing these houses that are like three bed, two bath kind of deals. And it was about a million for... A non a non right and a four to five for a right, which is not insane. It's a lot. Don't get me wrong, it's but a lot like for not a lot of space is the thing. But for a great area yeah, and like a thing, like I I I had in my head that these houses are eight, nine, ten, ten mil. Yeah, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, so that was cool. We toured that. It was fun. There's some cool shit in there. Um, started raining, which was kind of annoying and it was like coming in sideways. Um, and then there was another showing of Mohan drive in the afternoon that we skipped cause I had already seen it and she was like, that's fine. I'm whatever. <laughs> um, so then we showed up at five thirty for Lynch one, um, which is a documentary about, I don't know if there's a, it's kind of like art life, what what art life is to his painting and art creations in that way, this is to art to David Lynch's direct direction. Um, takes place primarily on the set of Inland Empire, mm-hmm. um, and it's just kind of a like inobtrusive, unobtrusive, unobtrusive, unobtrusive documentary style of just like let's watch an artist. An create and, and and what was interesting about it is that it was David Lynch outside of his own element because this is his first foray into digital mm-hmm. and watching him experiment with it and figure it out and decide what he wants to do and all that kind of stuff was was really interesting to see um, a highlight of that documentary was a moment where he's similar to the moment that we talk about of like, who gives a shit how long a scene is? And he kind of snaps. Mm-hmm. There was another similar moment of he's kind of yelling, pseudo yelling at somebody about something on set. And you don't even see who that is. And he's just, and it's just like, and he just turns, looks at the camera, 
dead on and just goes, Einstein much must have had such a burden. Fucking morons everywhere. <laughs> it's just such a great line that I'm, for as much as you see memes about like, elaborate on yeah. that. No, who gives a shit? How, yeah. Do it again, but this time good. Yeah. You see those. I'm like, why haven't you seen this clip yeah. all the time? Um, and the same thing too. There's a moment of him like sitting in a car and he's just like, I'm so depressed. I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to watch a guy who's like, he's for the first time in his film career, a little uh, in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. Can I do what I think at one, at one point he talks about like, all right, I think we've got things mostly shot. We just have to bring it back and figure out what the movie is. (laughs) Cause like literally the, it's not, you're not going off storyboards. He's just went out and experimented. Mm -hmm. Like he put ideas that were in his head out there, but like really and truly didn't know what he was, didn't know what the film was going to be, which is wild. Yeah. Uh, And then 4k remaster of Inland Empire. Yes. Um, So this is now out or coming out in various theaters. So if you have art house theaters near you, there's a good chance it's playing this week, next week and for the coming weeks, they're doing a full, full, re-release of this new 4k remaster which is pretty incredible the way it looks compared to the fact because it was shot on dv like an old like i had the canon equivalent of the camera they used he used a sony pd 150 which my friend cliff had i had the canon equivalent of that which was the gl1 xl1 series and i had both of those um and it's it's basically a same digital camcorder you had in the mid aughts mm-hmm. and but had the option to put on different lenses. That's really all it is. Mm-hmm. Um so it's hard I don't I didn't know how you could upscale that. And there's still moments that like it's still very clearly digital video, but it looks much cleaner and and when you blow it up that big it was Mm -hmm. it was cool to watch it was it was very cool um still don't know how i feel about inland empire (laughs) it's because there's so much i love so much i'm just not interested in Mm -hmm. i appreciate that it exists i i what's so what's weird to to me more than anything is that like I love that he got the opportunity to do this experimenting, mm-hmm. go out, play with digital video and like, oh, this is cool. This is the future. I'm ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. But then didn't make another movie. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like one of those that like, oh, he's experimenting with this and then figures it out by making this movie and then can come back with like, oh, he made yeah. this movie and it's incredible. Right. It's all digital. It's But he knew what he was doing now and right. he was able to put out this masterpiece and he didn't mm-hmm. until season three of Twin Peaks, which is all shot on, on, on digital and everything. But, I mean, that was 15 years later. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, that, it really is. Yeah. And like he did a bunch of digital shorts. He did Dumbland after that. He did like these things online. But it's it's with how excited he was, especially that you see in, in Lynch One, how excited he was to be working in this new medium that gave him this freedom and these little small cameras that you can just get in and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then 
didn't do anything else with it. Is yeah. is strange to me. Yeah. And does he ever talk about why he stopped making movies? Not that I've seen. Yeah. Um, they followed up Inland Empire. So Inland Empire was at 7.30. So it's 180 minutes long. So it got late. We watched right after that. They were playing more. I think it's called More Things to See, which is essentially the missing pieces of Inland Empire. And we watched two or three scenes of that. And some of it was just like, oh, they also did a little like one or two minute side by side of here was the original 35 millimeter oh, print yeah. of Inland Empire when it aired aired when it premiered because mm-hmm. uh, they actually premiered Lynch Lynch was at the music box for the premiere of Inland Empire wow. when it first premiered uh, but they did a side by side of the 35 millimeter print for that and the the new 4k remaster to see the difference which was which was fun to see then they did the more things to see we watched about half of that and we're just like I'm yeah. I'm I'm tapped out. Um but they were going to be playing Lynch 2 after that, which I think is a shorter follow-up to Lynch 1. Huh. But it's basically after. But that would be I bet where you would hear sure. those things that you just asked about of like why he mm-hmm. didn't keep going or why he's not making another film. I don't, you know. Yeah. Um And then So that was Wednesday and that's basically where I tapped out yeah, cuz Thursday the- was a repeat of Straight Story, Blue Velvet, Fire Walk with Me again. Mm-hmm which I had seen all of. I had to take Mally back to the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I forgot to shout out Brian for all the things he came to. Brian came to a bunch of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, my friend, I ran into my friend Jim. Yeah, Jim was there for... Him in a long time. And, yeah. Uh, Apparently, he, I found out later too, Jack, our, our friend Jack, oh, was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. at Firewalk with me and Inland Empire. Oh, We didn't funny. see him. That's too bad. I found that out via Letterboxd because I follow him on the Letterboxd app. And I would, or coincidentally, he watched them on the same night. Could be. <laughs> Never know. Because he like cataloged them as like having watched them. Yeah. But Well, then that was the, uh, the David Lynch. So um, having watched all of these movies now mm-hmm. in the theater, the way they're meant to be seen, all that stuff, I took the opportunity to rank them all to my personal favorites because it's always easy like a lot of these a lot special a lot of these especially the ones in the middle kind of are all interchangeable a little bit sure but i actually put them in an order and i think i'm happy with it okay so let's pulling up yeah so there's 10 movies david lynch on imdb just pulling that up so i can Okay, so we're counting just the david lynch directed feature films not the duran duran and stuff like that Okay, but does like if I rock with me count and all that? Yes, that's okay. that's okay, a feature so film. Any yeah. feature film? Okay, so so do you want to do them in reverse order or ten to one or one to ten? I want to do one to ten because I think that'll be easier okay. for me um, mentally. Number I, one, you should probably get. I would think if I rock with me. No, no, Mahondra. Mahondra. Okay, I think it's the most. Everything I like about Lynch is in this, and it is digestible. Mm. It's it's bizarre and out there and not linear and straightforward necessarily, but it is enough so where it's digestible. Sure. So okay. that's 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 my number one. Uh, is number two Firewalk with me? No. Really? I thought you okay. Uh, Blue Velvet. No. 
one I'm looking. Um, oh, uh, the straight story. Straight story. Straight story. This every time I see it, it gets better. It's just a series of scenes linked together by the only the linear passage of him driving his fucking lawnmower. Yeah. But God, every time I see it, it's so. Every single scene is so powerful and. Mm. Richard Farnsworth is just incredible in yeah, it. Yeah, it's really great. So that's right. number two. Okay, so we start. So we have Mulholland Drive, Straight Story. Story. Three. I mean, if I keep guessing, it's going to be right eventually. Firewalk with Fire me. Firewalk with Yay. me. That's my number three. Yeah, I um, I'm really glad I got to rewatch that. I, I and especially kind of after he, uh, the author whose name I can't remember, Scott Ryan, planted that thing in my head of like her leaving a piece of herself behind that mm-hmm. made me really appreciate it that much more okay so so Mulholland Drive Blue Velvet nope no Mulholland Drive Straight, Straight Story, Story Firewalk Fire with, with me. me Blue Velvet Blue Velvet's number four okay that doesn't surprise me um I'm gonna say number five is Eraserhead nope really Wild at Heart no really it's not Lost Highway, is it? Nope. Straight Story, Mulholland Drive, Inland, em- Inland Empire, isn't no. it? Okay, when Elephant Man? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Elephant Man yeah, is good, right? Very, very good. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so. So, Straight Story, Blue Velvet, Firewalk With Me, Elephant Man, Eraserhead. And then six and seven are, I think, kind of interchange like i have them listed one way but at any given time i feel like these two could flip-flop would that be Eraserhead and inland empire no oh erase is it Eraserhead? no inland empire and <laughs> lost highway no okay just why don't you tell me then so i've got it listed as wild at heart lost highway okay and i think wild at heart edges it out on here only because of the tone shifts mm-hmm. while at heart has some ups and downs and some silly mm. mixed in there and and lost highway is just an onslaught of yeah dark Grand industrial yeah. shit so so yeah so that's that six us- seven while at heart lost highway oh boy um you I only got three more we have left um so so then I've Inland got Empire. Then I've got Eraserhead. Really? Then Inland oh, Empire. And then Inland. And then I didn't. And then Eraserhead and then everything else he's related to, and then Dune. I didn't realize you did not like Eraserhead that much. I don't dislike Eraserhead. Well, like I just thought that was like one of your favorite. I enjoy it for the most part, but it's like I enjoy it because it's it's pure David Lynch. Mm-hmm. But. It's not something I, I I very rarely want to go back to it. You know what I mean? It's it just it, it adds it shows you how much I like all of those other movies. Sure. Is really what it is. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you could, it's very much in that style of like this is somebody figuring out what he he wants to do, mm-hmm. and so much like there's great stuff in it. I.e. Charlotte Stewart trying to pull the luggage out from under the bed. Oh, so good. Or, and she talked to us about that yeah, scene. Yeah. About how he just said, keep pulling keep until pulling I tell you to stop. Keep pulling until stop. Yeah. So good. I, so good. The lady in the radiator and 
terrifying. And that song, I love, in heaven, everything is fine, is, is, is creepy and wonderful. And I love all those things about it. But also similar to, I guess it does have, it has silliness. Um, yeah, it's good. And then after Eraserhead becomes Inland Empire, because I just, I just can't. I can't. Like, is it the Polish scene? Is it? I mean, it's not. It's a half the movie is in Poland. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah, not the Polish. I, the Polish segment, I guess. I, so, like, Eraserhead, you don't necessarily need to make sense of, but you can let it wash over you like a weird fever dream. Mm-hmm. You can do that with some of Inland Empire, and then some of it just like doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell it's an experiment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I want, I really want. I just haven't found that thing in Inland Empire that allows me to just like enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I get to it from time to time and then I get pulled out for some reason and then I get to it again and then I get pulled out for some reason mm-hmm. and I just maybe it's just the length of it yeah it's very long you know like yeah and then obviously Dune I just don't like don't give a shit about yeah. um alright yeah I mean do you have any other wrap up thoughts or anything I obviously I think like we've said we'll be back again if mm-hmm. if we if this secret rumor turns out to be true or whatever like yeah we'll see if anyone can drop a secret movie though it's david lynch i absolutely believe that very much yeah okay um so thank you for uh checking back in with us we may be back (laughs) hopefully if david lynch does something but yeah here for now there's just a cool surprise for you guys so cool well i just I, it's fun when you if you think of podcasts i've had a couple of those where a podcast ended and then all of a sudden you're just like oh there's a weird yeah. new episode yeah cool <sighs> all right well thank you for uh for hanging out with us again and uh we'll talk to you soon did we have a closing bit that we did see in the trees now do we have like yeah, a- we will though we'll see them in the trees yeah all right <laughs> see you then see you in the trees Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>